Folks, we are back. I'm here joined by Ed Page from the Marine Exchange of Alaska. Hello, Ed. Hello, Jeff. How are you? You're, I'm great. Thanks and for your, coming. Your conference room is amazing. And we're, I got to say, folks can't see this, unfortunately, but great view of the Douglas Bridge and then the water and then all these nice boats. Yeah, well, we uh, decided to do it right. Um, we've been in business for about 18 years now. But what we're doing is so impactful that it's kind of embarrassing if you're, no offense, but above the hangar restaurant and uh, in a office that's kind of lopsided and uh, when you're dealing with tracking vessels around the world and you have the secretary general of the international maritime organization come to see your operation you gotta have a little comment pan- of the coast guard we little, figured we better look like the real deal gotta have a little panache a little panache so we thought i better dress up here and look like we're uh, professional which is you know very appropriate to so, stage a game where, where we are so your external affairs uh, person anna uh, right. who's doing her job well contacted me she's heard, heard my podcast and Right. Um, she said, this guy, Ed, is very high energy. Oh. And she did. She was not wrong. She was not wrong. Based okay. On our interaction. Right. Um, so I've let's been talk- accused of that beforehand. Yeah. You're, you're, you're kind of like me. I, I like the energy. Yeah. So. I, I usually start my day off kayaking or sailing or something like that before I go to work. And then I do it after work and what have you. So well, I'm trying to squeeze as much into this uh, day as I possibly can. That's great. So you, um, right. I got invited here. I didn't, to be honest, didn't know much about the Marine Exchange. Right. And you just gave me an awesome tour. And folks, you got to take a picture but there's literally a freaking um command center situation here right. and let's talk a bit about that but let's talk about the history of of where the marine exchange came from and why it's here yeah. and then and then talk about what you just showed me in your Good. awesome uh command center well i need to probably start off by saying what is the marine exchange because it's not a household world word and uh, many people just draw a blank when i say marine exchange Sometimes they come in and try to exchange marine parts with us and say that's not quite the answer. <laughs> but marine exchanges go back to the 1800s, and it's all about exchanging maritime information. And uh, they existed in ports where San Francisco and Los Angeles and New York and, and uh, even Oregon, uh, Portland, Oregon, the merchants would be wondering where the ships were where they'd conduct trade. And they said, well, you can stay in a coffee shop, and we'll have spotters out there with telescopes, what have you scan the horizon, and when they identify a vessel come to port, they will notify you. And if it's at your ship, then you can pay for your coffee and run off and conduct trade. And there were nonprofit organizations. There's a network of them called the Maritime Information Service of North America in New York, Philadelphia, Baltimore, around the country, L.A., what have you. And uh, they've all been brokering information for a port region, relatively small area. Um, when I was in the Coast Guard, I served some 33 years in the Coast Guard. I started my maritime career back in 68. When oh, I did you start when you were uh, 10 years old or something? Yeah, huh? exactly. Huh? <laughs> Thank you. You don't, well, um, how old are you? I'm 68. So. You don't look 68. Well, this is I great. I honestly would have guessed this, you were in your 50s. This is going great. I, I, I could get the like, you know, the cup of coffee? Yeah, no, sure. <laughs> Throw a little bourbon in it. Thanks. I've, I've been accused of that too. Um, and uh, my dad lasted 100, and they still th- thought he was like in his 80s. So I saw maybe, this video. Maybe I'm blessed. Here. I saw this video on, on Facebook. It yeah. was, I don't know, a while ago. It was this woman who was like 100, and she was turning 102, uh, right? Yeah. And they, they were talking, and she was really, she was all there, right? And they were talking to her, and they yeah. said, what, What's the key? Yeah. And she goes, I don't know. I just know I've been drinking every day of my life for 80 years. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good to me. Well, that's not my answer. I think it's a positive outlook and having fun doing good things, I think. But, uh, but, but during my Coast Guard career, I would call the Marine Exchanges in San Francisco or in Seattle or L.A. and find out where ships were if I had a board a vessel. And they were brokers of information, and they had an in-depth, profound knowledge of the port region. 
At one point uh, later in my career, I was uh, sent un- un- to an assignment I didn't really want, which is L.A. Long Beach, because I was loving Alaska. I served the Exxon Valdez oil spill uh, and had several tours in Alaska. You were here with the Coast Guard for Exxon? With the Coast Guard then during the Exxon Valdez oil spill. And so... um, Were you already in Alaska or you came to Alaska for that? I was in. I first came to Alaska in '73 on a Coast Guard cutter. I was sailing off the coast of uh, East Coast off of Boston on ocean station patrols. I had an opportunity to bring a ship around, and start sailing Alaska waters. So in '73 is when I first came to Alaska in Juneau, Alaska, and then subsequently I had assignments in Anchorage and Ketchikan and in Juneau over my Coast Guard career, and then even Iwo Jima, Japan, and Lorraine Station. I'm gonna guess you were an officer. I was. I was retired as a captain. See, I, yeah. see, I picked captain. Really? Yeah. That's equivalent of colonel, right? Yes, it is. But you, you, your dad was retired Navy, right? Or something? How'd you know that? I listened to podcasts. Must be, must be listening to my podcast. Yeah, twenty five years. <laughs> right. Enlisted though. Okay. A smarter man. He had more yeah. fun than I did then. <laughs> he was. Uh, he told me that he was two tours in Vietnam, and he said at one point when he was just he was yeah. in for a while, I think, and these two. Called them butter bars. These lieutenants oh, yeah, yeah. from the en- ensigns. <laughs> I would have been one of those. These ensigns oh, butter from, bars, ensigns. Yeah, ensigns from, yeah. the, from the you know yeah. academy come on and they start. Uh, sometimes they'd start bossing people around. Yeah. And he said the chiefs would always say, "Look, look, young man, let me tell yeah. you something. This is not how it goes." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I wor- uh, don't call me sir. I work for a living. Is what the expression the list of people would say. So. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that. Uh, but yeah, I went to the academy and and uh, uh, I was always very fond of maritime sail as a young kid. Grew up in uh, New York area, Long Island, and uh, so. Everyone's getting drafted that time in the 60s, so I figured well, if I go anywhere, I want to go to the Coast Guard. That seemed like a neat service, so worked out well for me and, and had some great assignments, but also in the course of my career, I had some pretty colorful, or eh, colorful's not the right term, pretty sobering cases where uh, vessel would sink with all hands and 40 people would parachute at sea, and I'd be assigned to pick up the bodies, and they had pictures oh, wow. of family and money in, in there, and, and I realized that we had better information. We could have saved lives, and I had people... Uh, some of my crew lost in uh, Japan when I was on Lorraine Station, Iwo Jima. Again, if we had better information, knew where they were, we could have saved their lives, but we never found them. Well, just like you were showing me that picture in the in the command center about that that boat that broke in half. Exactly right. So we can I, talk about that later. You can give that stuff. Absolutely. Good. But I, I became obsessed with the idea that if we had better information on vessels, uh, we could prevent a lot of marine casualties. And then when you had the Exxon Valdez oil spill, uh, my theory has always been: <clears throat> had that vessel been closely tracked the whole time. Uh, which they weren't. The Coast Guard's surveillance stopped, and he, the captain went down below. Felt nobody's watching, kind of like no one. Police cars are out in the highway with their radar guns. People probably go faster, do something uh, that not lawful, if you will. So he wasn't being watched. He went down below, left to someone who made some mistakes. I'm sure if he was on the bridge, it probably wouldn't have happened. So this idea of monitoring vessels and paying attention to what's happening and have them know you're watching them influence the behavior. So and if also the identical, con- fun. if there was identical conditions today. Yeah. With the Exxon Valdez, well, I know they have they right. have um, tug, well, tugboats now, right? They right, have different, right yeah. But let's say there wasn't that identical conditions today, but the, mar- the mar- Marine Exchange was in place. What would have? I think that you know, first of all, that's kind of a tough question because we we're not focused on the ports, uh, traffic management. We're involved at sea. Where normally you don't pay attention to ships at sea. We're on sea traffic management more than port management. But I think the technology that the Marine Exchange is using right now which is automatic identification system that every six seconds you have an update in a vessel's course, speed, and location. And they knew they have been monitored and alarms that go off without a channel and they have a discussion with the Coast Guard, I think it wouldn't have happened. Yeah, you guys showed me on the, on the big screen there that one vessel had a straight line and then it arced 90 degrees yeah. and it went down. Exactly right. And, and you said you guys identified that as a, the engine stopped. Yeah, we, we knew as a, we called them vessel of concern. That's not a normal operation. 
like a, a vehicle of concern would be someone alongside the highway going five miles an hour and everyone else going 60. The assumption is something's wrong. And so you, a policeman would pull you over or come over and say, can I help you? Because it's not safe going five miles an hour on the highway. So that's basically what we're doing. But we are an alarm system that doesn't exist anywhere else in the world for this big an area. So so this you guys started in 2001? Right. Mm-hmm. Who, who, how did it start? Whose idea was well, I, uh, I was captain of the port for Los Angeles, Long Beach for a couple of years. And, uh, and that was after Exxon Valdez oil spill. And we did not have a vessel traffic service. We didn't have tug escorts. And I did not have the stomach to do another oil spill response. So I got focused on developing a vessel traffic system that the Coast Guard could not bring on board because of financial challenges and timing. So I said, let's partner with the Maritime Ministry, the Coast Guard, and the state. And we put this hybridized joint venture public-private partnership with the Marine Exchange, the Coast Guard, and the state put together a vessel traffic service. State of Alaska. This is down in L.A. Cal- Long this Beach. California. L.A. Long Beach, right. And that model uh, sparked me to think, I want to do something like this for Alaska, except it's going to be not for a port complex. It's going to be for the whole maritime region of Alaska. Because cause your map you guys showed me, you said yeah. 1.5 million square miles, right? right? So this is... Way more than just a lot. I mean, this is, yeah. it seems like it goes all the way to Russia and to the Asia. Does. We're looking, you know, down to, we're looking down past LA right now. So why is it based in Anchorage or on Juneau? Well, th- that question comes up quite a lot. And my answer is pretty simple. Um, I came up with the idea. I like You're Juneau. Like, I like Juneau. I was so going to be here. I was just going to say, I like Juneau. That was the answer. It's that simple. I try to provide a little more substance to that, but that, to, to some extent, that's truly the answer. I could also argue that, well, the state capital is here, the Coast Guard headquarters is here, and those are two big customers of the information we're providing. So you were, yeah. when I asked you about the funding, you said a bulk of the funding comes from the ship owner, the ship companies. Yes. The, right. the shipping companies, the, the boat companies, I guess. Right. The, vessel operator. The maritime lot, industry yeah. pays most of the money. So that's about half? About half. And the Coast Guard pays about 35, 40%, uh, about 35%, I guess. And the Coast Guard basically had a major defense contractor, I think, with Northrop Grumman, build a system in lower 48. And then the money was spent. They said, well, we didn't do Alaska yet. And say, how much is that going to be? Well, more than lower 48. And they never got the money. So we built a system really using kind of relationships, if you will. Uh, I was going to say, how did you, the, you get the funding for the... Well, there's a nexus to the Exxon Valdez spill because there's a settlement that came out of Exxon Valdez oil spill and uh, to the state of Alaska, and we went to the legislature saying we can help build a system that minimize the potential of that happening again by knowing where vessels are. And that started it, but it also we would go around doing consulting work around the state to Nome, to Dutch Harbor, and to, they had to have security plans after 9-11. And so we would go there and say, we're here to help you comply. You can pay for our compliance visit and trip and help you get compliance with regulations, but do you mind help us find a location where we can put a vessel tracking system that'll help save lives, help prevent oil spills, and help the efficiency of maritime operations? That's mother and apple pie. So you say no to that. You were showing me that there's these, they almost look like a little little rocket ship. Yeah. And you guys take them all over. How many are there in Alaska? 130. And, and you were showing me that they have yeah. to go out there in a boat. The, the guys are there for a, yeah. a week or two, and they're installing yeah. it, and, yeah. it's, it's, and they're all over Alaska. Yeah, those are basically our receiving, in some cases, transmitting stations as well as weather stations that we've been building. In some cases, we're pretty fortunate. We can find a, a facility on top of a mountain, or not only on top of a mountain, but let's say in a port of Dutch Harbor. There's a hill, and there's a, a radio site up there, and we can tap into the power 
and internet and do wireless bridges and not it must have be to, logistically you know, difficult to contact it, the people it, and incredibly complicated get the we, approval and permission and we have 130 MOUs basically with different sponsors or hosts allow us to be on their property and that's say that's a memorandum yeah. of understanding right I'm sorry yeah for, for, our, for some of our for the layman yeah. I never knew what that was till I started paying oh, okay. attention to politics closer and all right well I've been uh, I'm very familiar been, with that term. I've been a bureaucrat too long I guess <laughs> so uh, yeah members understanding agreements with all these different parties and old lighthouses lighthouses have been abandoned by the Coast Guard we now put equipment on put them back to use yeah, I saw this thing uh, it was on I think 60 minutes and it was about it wasn't in the, in the United States it was in or was that Canada or maybe Ireland? Mm. And there was this old lighthouse that people used to, you know, forever. Like somebody would live there yeah. by themselves. And, right. and then now it's kind of electronic. But but yeah. there was they were saying that it used to be like a big kind of thing. It was a thing people did. And it was something that was kind Absolutely. of people yeah. would go visit them. And there'd be yeah. this. And now it's kind of all electronic. We're, we're, we're pretty much actively involved in that. And just by, it's just evolved, if you will. We, we, lighthouses are obviously in strategic locations. And the Coast Guard said, we don't, there are better ways of doing this than putting people on the lighthouse and reporting weather and watching vessels and keeping the light burning. So they basically became automated, if you will. So now you don't need a huge structure. Are there, still, people, are there still lighthouses where people hang no, out? No, there's no man except one, I think a historical one in Boston Harbor, I think is the only one that really exists. It's more for historical purposes. But we have basically inherited, supporting inheriting a, a lighthouse up at Elder Rock. What we found out is that... Um, where's, where's that? It's accessed by near Haynes. Phone's ringing. And uh, uh, that was by Haynes. And uh, so, and that lighthouse right. You want to talk, talking to the mic. <laughs> right. Anyway, uh, this picture of the lighthouse around the place. But we found out is that it was a great location, and that we're kind of doing the same thing the lighthouse keepers were that they were watching vessels and they were calling on the radio if someone got in trouble. They were reporting the weather to vessels. And that's what we're doing electronically. Basically, we put a weather station there. We have a vessel tracking station there. We have a transmitting station there. And so we're basically putting them back to use again, but without people. So tell me about that picture in the command center, about that vessel that broke Cel in half. Celadang IU is a classic example What's of... What's it called again? The Celadang IU, which is about a 600-foot cargo ship that was uh, transporting soybeans, full of soybeans, going from Portland, Oregon to uh, the Far East. I can't remember which port it was going to. But in, in the course of the voyage, and it what, had no interest, no plans to stop in Alaska. It was just going to drive by. Like this, Alaska is like the I-5 for the maritime industry. They're not stopping here. They're driving from Portland, Oregon, or Prince Rupert, or Vancouver, B.C., or Vancouver, Washington, or San Francisco. On the way to Europe, the quickest way is the Great Circle Route. The Great Circle Route takes it through the Aleutian Islands. So you have... Thousands of vessels driving through the yeah, Lucian Islands. I couldn't believe that main yeah. screen you guys showed me with all the, I mean, there was a lot of fo folks, you, yeah. a lot of boats. And it's thousands of vessels. I guess ships. and yep, boats. Ships. And they're driving through the Lucian Islands. And some of these ships are huge. And some are like 1,300 feet long. What's that, four football fields? Tell, tell me about, yeah. I still can't believe Selling this. Selling IU. So Selling IU. Tell, tell, tell me about the, how many, if you take the car. The, oh, yeah, car here. So if you take, some of these ships will have 18,000 20-foot equivalent containers, they call them. So let's just say 9,040-foot containers, which what you see on the road, do the math. That's about 50 miles of containers end for end for ship that long. God. 50 miles end for end. This is going to be the end of the road, container after container, end for end. If you take the containers in L.A. Long Beach, just dropped off in L.A. Long Beach in a year, and put them on the equator, it'll go one and a half times around the world. 
you just cannot imagine how much cargo is moving through the ships. It's phenomenal because what you see is on top of the ship. What you don't realize is how many go down. They're going from the deck down. It's another 90 feet of containers that you don't see below the ones you see on deck. I saw a video once where one was in a big storm and they were all falling off. Oh, all yeah. The con- containers were falling. It yeah. was just crazy. I mean, how many containers there were. Right. right. So there's tremendous amounts of cont- cargo but going through the Lucian Islands. All right, so let's get back to, to that. Backyard. Sel- what is it? Selding Sel- Sel- IU. Selding IU, yeah. So Selding IU was a vessel that was going through our backyard, so to speak, broke down, and the engineer says, I can fix this, Captain. Don't worry about it. Couldn't fix it. It's a big storm comes up. It's drifting closer and closer to shore, and they finally said, we're an extremist. Maybe we should call for help now. Not early on, but when they're extremists. So they called for some tugs. Uh, some tugs went out. It was too rough for them. They kept on breaking the lines. They waited too long. Uh, the Coast Guard went out, couldn't tow them. Uh, then the Coast Guard uh, watched as a vessel, and the Coast Guard asked us if they would find that vessel and track it. So we used our technology to actually locate the vessel and start tracking. So the command center here in Juneau could see things unfolding. And at one point, the ship broke in half, and there's two pieces of the ship yeah, I saw the picture. Up, on the, mm-hmm. um, up on the reef. And the crew obviously decided it was time to get off, so they called for help. Coast Guard helicopter went on scene in some really horrendous conditions, picked up six crew members, and as they're, as they're starting to take off, uh, they were just hovering, pulling them off. They didn't land on the ship, obviously. A huge wave just engulfed the helicopter. The helicopter crashed in the water, and the f- six crew members that, that they just recovered it perished. And the, the crew members, the Coast Guard people, were dressed up in exposure suits and knew how to escape an you know, upside-down helicopter and trained in emerging egress. And they survived, but they were the luckiest guys around. So the, another the, helicopter was coming on scene, wasn't supposed to be on scene, didn't get the message because of bad comms, showed up and plucked them out of the water within a couple minutes before it being dashed. So the Coast Guard guys survived, but the six right. guys from the, the, the vessel died. Right. So what you had there is a situation because the lack of information, the lack of time to do anything about it, you had loss of life, loss of cargo, loss of oil, and a major oil spill. Loss of ship and loss, you know major so oil. I spill. moved here in '04. Was before I moved here. So was, it, was this a big was this a big thing when it oh, happened? Yeah, it made national news. In fact, some of the regulations that are uh, the Coast Guard passed for what they call non-tank vessels had a lot of regulation on tankers after Exxon Valdez. There's two events that that drove regulation applied to container ships and cargo ships, and one of those two. Instance was a cell to NIU. The other one was a Costco Busan in San Francisco. But those are like the poster child accents that we need to start dealing with these ships too. Mm-hmm. So these ships you were showing me, you can click on the ship and it pulls up right. the like the flag and the destination and the, the weight and all the yeah. length. But also the even if they don't participate in your program, right. they're still being tracked. But regardless, you guys can con- you guys can via radio or I guess emails. Yeah. You're more common way to yeah. communicate it's interesting enough that a lot of ships almost all the major ships have email capability their home offices want to know what's happening and, and they want to have a dialogue with them and so when these vessels enroll in our safety net system if you will um they have to give us all the information how to get hold of them. their home office how to get hold of the ship by phone self uh, satellite phone by email and by uh, other other entities in their organization to get hold of them and so um it, but the technology really that's been pivotal here, where before we never knew where ships are at sea. When I was chief of marine safety of Pacific area, if you asked me what ships were in the Arctic, I'd go, I don't know. Maybe I'm just, we'll like, I'm just like going back. I mean, this is yeah. going back a long time, but I'm just like crazy where we are now compared to, you know, Captain Cook or, you know, Magellan or all these, you know, yeah. these Portuguese guys, or Brit- British or... They t- disappeared over the horizon. Columbus. A I mean, year just, later, they figure out where they were. You know, it's like you don't see anybody. If you come no. back and 
you're a whole different person. It's been three years, right. two years. Or you never see them again because that's true. Something, something happens. We know where. I mean, now we, we the term is, that's referred to is now as maritime domain awareness. For the first time, we have maritime domain awareness. What does ships are? What, I mean, this might be a question you don't yeah. have the answer to, but when is the last time a ship just disappeared and no one knows what happened to it? Well, I mean, to bring it closer to home, the the fishing vessel destination uh, sank about a year and a half ago, I believe it was, uh, up near uh, same. It's kind, of an, it's kind of an ironic name, destination. I know, I know. And, where, where did it sink at? Well, near um, St. George Island. Near St. George Island. And uh, so all of a sudden they got an EPIRB hit. You know what EPIRB is? No, I don't. Uh, EPIRB is a, is a uh, kind of EL, like an electronic locating transmitter they have for planes. ELT. ELT, yeah. ELT, but for ships. So they get this. EPIRB hit. So it's like a free, like it starts banging on a frequency. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. and said so this vessel, the Coast Guard calls us and says, do you have information this vessel? Say, so you're watching an AIS and it just disappeared. We watch it kind of. What's AIS? Automatic Identification System. Okay. So every six seconds, their transmitter was sending a position report to us. And we could see this thing take some erratic maneuvers, slow down all of a sudden, spun around the circle, and then disappeared. So they said, if you want to search for that vessel, go to where the last AIS position is. And that's where they found the debris. Is where the last AS position. What so, happened? We don't really know. We know the erratic maneuvers. We think that it was overloading with, uh, you know, the Coast Guard investigation indicates they overloaded with crab pots and with icing. There's a lot of icing conditions going on. So the topside weight uh, got worse and worse on the vessel to the point where it just toppled over. This so it was like an ins in instantaneous. Yeah. Just happened. And six people perished, unfortunately. But at least, you know, knowing what ha where it happened and the last. Couple of minutes that the, the maneuver the vessel had had more information. So if you guys weren't doing, if you guys weren't doing that. They probably never would have found it, right? They could very well not have found it because they didn't have really good, accurate information. How deep? How deep was the water there? I don't remember. Maybe four hundred feet. I think. Oh, so pretty. Like I mean, that. pretty deep. Pretty deep. Yeah. I mean, wow. You couldn't that's... dive on it. You had to use uh, ROVs, basically down. So, but uh, so, but I think even more importantly is that many lives have been saved because when someone says calls the Coast Guard say Mayday, Mayday, they can look at the screen that we're providing with all this data. They can see where the vessel's trouble is. They also can see vessels nearby. And they can contact those vessels say, how would you like to save somebody's life today? We'll give you an award. And everybody says, of course. You don't need an award for that matter. I'll, I'm always up to save somebody's life. So the Mariner's tradition of helping any of the Mariner in distress is alive and well. And vessels yeah, from around the world divert. Some people, that. the people who love awards and they're usually the ones who don't don't really yeah, need them. They don't need them. I want an award for something. Yeah, they don't. I'm, I'm be facetious that. Yeah, no, I know. Because Coast will recognize as a practical matter, you don't need to do that. The mariners' that culture and tradition of helping other mariners stress these ships from around the world, foreign flag vessels. When we call, say, there's a fishing vessel in trouble, they will divert, and even a lot of fuel cost and delay and whatever, and they're carrying you know 40 miles of containers. They'll divert to help one mariner in distress. And you guys showed me the the one map with the flags on them, and there was. Yeah. I mean, it was like uh, South America, the United Atlas. States, you know, yeah. South Africa. I mean, there was New Zealand in there, Liberia. There were all kinds of different. Yeah, absolutely. Finland. Yeah. They're all going through our backyard. And we all have a relationship with every one of those countries we have a relationship with as far as the ships that I, uh, those companies saying will sign up to be part of this maritime safety net. And so it's a really unique model. So, so do other parts of the world? I mean, you know, I know the There's coast nothing, of Africa has a lot of shipping and Djibouti over there and the horn and all that. I mean, nothing of this this nature. I mean, we're actively monitoring. See, I mentioned maritime domain awareness. We're now doing maritime domain management. We're taking the awareness of information. We're managing ships with that information. 
So the closest thing I can you know, relate to this as far as close oversight and management shipping is off the Great Barrier Reef off Australia. I just recently, it's been a while now, but I, there, I spent a year in Australia. Right. So. Okay, so you know about the Great Barrier Reef. I do, so, yeah. It's a, it's a yeah. very fun, very, very fascinating place. And that's about 150,000 square miles. And the country of Australia has a very active monitoring system to ensure vessels you know, don't have accidents and, and monitoring, don't go in the wrong areas and stay out of protected areas. Well, but that's that's only a tenth of our a tenth of what we're doing here in Juno, a small nonprofit with twenty people. So it's so that's what I was gonna. So you're not it's not a for profit. It's a nonprofit. Nonprofit. Well, I think the same. Not for profit. Not but for, yeah, you're, yeah, you're you're not a for profit company. You're, no, you're a nonprofit. Exactly right. Right. Why? Why? I mean, have you talked? To, thought about replicating yeah, this model in other parts of the world? People tell me or? all the time, and and maybe I could just chalk it up to be not very smart, I guess, and go for the nonprofit model. I grew up in a nonprofit culture with the Coast Guard. Mm -hmm. It's a nonprofit organization, but actually a little bit more to it than that. All the marine exchanges around the country, we're the last to come online. Since the 1800s, they've all been nonprofits. They're brokers of information, and they have members to say, this is valuable to us, so we'll pay into it. So I noticed on the map you showed me, right. a lot of it's, you know, incorporates Russian waters. Do the Russians have their, their own people monitoring the stuff, or are we... Not it, not like we do. No, I, mean, I don't really know because, you know, I've, I've been to Moscow and whatever, and they, they'd say, this is fascinating. We'd like to do this, but we can't, you know, whatever. So I don't know what the real answer is. Uh, like, I, but I'm sure we have the capability. We'd like to copy a system. Yes, we'd like your system, <laughs> uh, but uh, we cannot do, you know. Um, so I think uh, the certain – this is a very unique model, and it's being looked at uh, by other countries now as far as – and we're just squeezing out a lot of technology. So what, what about sharp people? What about yeah. you know? I think it seems to me that the Arctic is kind of the new venture for the a lot of folks, or the Russians, yeah. especially shipping and as the ice yeah. melts increasingly. Are you guys going to be monitoring that? We are. We've already involved in monitoring the Arctic. Um, I think on the Arctic side of it, you know, my position on that is that uh, right now there's not much shipping activity, very limited amount of shipping activity, but. Um, my thought is it's, it's best to lock the barn door before the horse gets out. So I think you need to implement the safety measures, the monitoring measures, and, and routing. You know, well, I know there was, you know, I heard there was a cruise ship years years ago that right. docked in, Bar Bar I guess, Utkiagvik right. or Barrow. Right. And, yep. they and I don't think people really knew about it. And there's all the, I yeah. remember my friend told me that somebody said all these Germans are like yeah. in Barrow. And they're like, what's going on? You know, no one's well, well, And that's one of the things we've been working on is that, there should not be any surprises. So we've actually developed an app for the native communities up, up in the Arctic. And so mm -hmm. they get on this app and they can see where ships are coming. So well, there would be no surprise. It's kind of scary, not just strangers yeah. being there, but you know, it could be, I don't, I don't know if there's customs or not, but I mean, anybody could all of a sudden be in the United States. And not, now they're in the United States. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I always kind of thought that was... Well, I know, I know uh, INS has been very diligent and found several people working in the Mexican restaurant and it, it, uh, years in the past and caught them and took them all the way back down to Mexico. And that's how desperate they were to find some wow, Mexicans. Wow, that's that literally, literally as far away. That's pretty away. desperate. If you make, that's like home base. Like if you really want I, I always bad, feel like people like that, I mean, I always feel like, you yeah. respect that hustle. I mean, if you're willing yeah. to go that you, far to work. You got it, you win. You know, I mean, I, yeah. probably a lot more. Good on you. Probably a lot further than I would want to go More I would, yeah, actually. Especially to just make tacos or whatever. I'd, yeah, I'd, no, I would imagine. that far. I would probably stay close to home. I wouldn't even get there. I mean, my gosh. That's you gotta, pretty interesting, though. you got to respect the hustle there. It was actually made on Johnny Carson's show and, and Time Magazine about how crazy it was that the INS would go that far to, to nail some Mexicans. Yeah, no, I think, you know what? I, yeah. we got other problems. You, you want know, that bad? Yeah, go ahead. You can have it. But but we digress. But you know, the reality is that we now have more information on vessels we ever had beforehand. So it should be no surprises the Alaska, you know, indigenous people have been concerned about more shipping activity when they're out there trying to do mm -hmm. 
subsistence whaling. So we'll be able to show them that there should be no surprises. You have the information now available. So they, they can use it, they can have access to it? Or? Yes, they can have, they do have access. We've wow. have access to it. And similarly, we can notify vessels that go in through the area of their presence. So they can notify us whether they are via satellite te telemetry or AIS, whatever technology they want to use. So for, for these uh, shipping companies that don't pay the fee, the right. it's like a voluntary kind of tax, I guess, or right. user right. fee, you guys still actually monitor them, right? We still we care, and you know, kind of like the union term, injury against one and injury against all. So, so if so if, if you ever do a, if you ever do, yeah. I know you're not nonprofit, yeah. but if you ever do one of those companies a favor, do you ever contact them and say, hey, why don't you guys, you know, maybe kinda. go ahead and get get on board here and start paying yeah. start yeah. paying a fee? Yeah, it kind of, but it hasn't worked quite as well as we would expect. Because you got to uh, get like a sale, sales and marketing yeah, guy on board. Yeah, we need sales and marketing. <laughs> we need something more. We don't have anybody in sales and marketing. Bring me so. in, baby. We'll, we're we're going we're gonna to get the rest of those companies, I guarantee you. We just feel good that we uh, still prevented something from going wrong, I guess, <laughs> what it comes down to this. Uh, Gee, it'd be uh, a real shame yeah. if we yeah. missed your boat, you know, yeah. that was off, tra off, off course. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, anytime, our, and we have a lot of dialogue with vessels all the time breaking down, and it's really been a very professional, good dialogue with the captains of ships. No one's ever pushed back. What if it's a language barrier? Do you? Well, that's one thing we do have to wrestle with a little bit, but for the most part, if we have to talk to them, we limit our conversation, and we know we're struggling with the language. We just say, "Read your email," because they can. You know, they have to have English-speaking people, whether they can really speak that well, like I can speak Spanish, but you don't. Well, you can it. always do a Google, but, Google Translate yeah, too. But I can. Basically, I can read Spanish, and, and, and people can read English a lot better, and the accents will be a challenge, and you know, the communication sometimes not all as solid as you like it to be. So we're typically emailing, but when we, we do talk to them on occasion. We have, uh, but most of the time, our, our, our dialogue is with the email. So all these, boat, all these ships can get emails anywhere in the world? I mean, they have like satellite? Yeah, or absolutely right. Yeah. So yeah. they're always in, in contact. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, their ships would be right now, some of these ships are in Africa right now, they enrolled in our system. We know where they are. And then when they sh leave Seattle, the they will contact us in many cases and say, we're coming to Alaska. We'll be transiting the waters in the next seven days. Here's our planned track line. Is this okay? Is this compliant with the risk mitigating measures? And we'll get back to them. We'll plot it and say, it looks good. We'll monitor throughout the period of time you're here. Any difficulties come up, let us know, and we'll let you know if there's any problems. So at any given time in your 1.5 million square miles, how right. many ships are there? Oh, I'd say uh, probably about 1,000 vessels in that area. Wow, and these are, a lot of them are mostly cargo ships? Well, many are they're fishing vessels, cargo ships, tugboats, you, you name it's, it's it. All, so yeah. you said it's all commercial, right? It's all commercial vessels? Right, they're all commercial vessels. But you said private vessels can? They can, but we don't really actively monitor private vessels. We can screen them out. But um, there are... Um, Anyone can buy an AAS, Automatic Identification System mm -hmm. Transponder. And you said someone's here all times, even 24 hours a day, 7 by 24. Yeah, absolutely. So what's the, I mean, how long have you been doing this all, all time, 18 years? Yes, I have. Yeah. What's the craziest thing, the craziest day you've ever had or the something, something that stands out is like, that was a really wild day? Well, I mean, we always have, usually it's one or two vessels that have a problem and then we're, we're contacting the vessel trying to find the situation and, and uh, but there's, I think one was like the, uh, one was a, a cargo vessel that was uh, a car carrier that was going around circles and what happened had steering gear break uh, out in the Lucian Islands. So that was a matter of flying and you know, working with the Coast Guard. So you saw you saw it just making a circle. Yeah. The, wow, very weird, erratic weird. behavior, very erratic, not a smooth circle, but erratic circle. Okay, and it was pretty obvious that uh, there's a problem. It turned out that a steering casualty. And the Coast Guard assisted by, they had a technician, I think, from Norway flat with parts, and they 
shuttle them all the way out to ADAC and they flew them out in a helicopter and dropped them off on the ship and fixed the steering gear problem. Before Have you ever, like, the system, the internal monitoring system that gone offline and you lose a ship? We our, our system hasn't gone offline for any more than... Not not your system as a whole, but, yeah, but the, the system, the, the monitor, the, the, oh, yeah. the, uh, ship on the ships. Yeah. The, the, yeah. Mon- the, the absolutely. system on the ship is like gone offline and yeah, then you absolutely. lose the ship. And, but we can contact them by email. So, so you problem. say, we can't see you. Or? We can't see you now. Something's wrong. So we've had that happen. Um, yeah, it happens quite a bit. Uh, I think, uh, and sometimes we'll have some very erratic maneuvers by ships. We can't figure out why they're all suddenly turned and go in a different direction till we learned out, we learned through contacting one of the vessels that the Russians were having some, firing exercise way out there west and they said hey we're shooting guns off oh my god away and they all went you know, so you see like every, like every yeah. ship do like an about face exactly or right you go what's this all about what's going on a sea monster coming out of the ocean here or something like that or so you guys you guys don't you guys see subs or no 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 warships typically will not be on the system oh yeah what about, what about navy yeah you don't see navy ships like carriers no, well, or you know um not really sometimes if they're not trying to hide they'll be they'll be you know a, visible if you will and of course some of the problem with the navy ships crashing is the fact that they didn't have a system and this is a collision avoidance system also all the ships see any ship that has ais sees another ship with ais oh so it's like a tcas for like airplanes exactly right so if you're off you're pretty much invisible to other ships so that's why these collisions sometimes happen because they don't have their sensor yeah no, a couple of last couple of years we've had those naval collisions you know they those... didn't have ais on so what the navy doesn't have their own deal or their own they have it they don't want to be seen they want to be invisible until you get hit then you're not so then you're pretty visible you're in new york it's pretty incredible though. cnn everywhere else so incredible those, those navy those flotillas where they have like i don't know how many ships are around the carriers and and it wasn't really a flotilla type these are usually independent vessels operating in, in each of these cases and it happened in norway did the same thing a naval vessel with ais off crash so they just trying to follow our lead i guess it's just really incredible i mean i've seen some videos you know you've, these big cruise ships or these large yep. cargo ships and they're going you know a few knots or they're yep. trying to dock and they're they're off and then they they're barely moving but they're right. so heavy and they just they go so slow, but then they hit the dock, and it's just total destruction. Oh yeah, a lot yeah. of a lot of mass, a tremendous amount of mass there, which is. You, I remember in school, you, force you, equals mass times acceleration, right? That's, well, it's the mass is the thing; it's not the acceleration; it's the, it's a mass, if you will. Well, Ed, this has been really incredible discussion. Um, I think my our listen, my listeners are going to really enjoy this, and I yeah. definitely want to come back and either do um, when I get my camera guy to come back in town, do yeah. an actual video. I mean, I think. Okay. This is much more, more visible, uh, visual, right. and yeah. or maybe a Facebook Live where sure. you, we can show you can show me the whole system, yeah. so we can go live and show all the folks because I think it's pretty incredible what you guys have set up here. It's very, yeah. uh, I got to say, you guys do have the panache. It's thank you. It looks I'm, good. Well, we try to look pretty professional here. And it's, yeah, it's, and this conference room is really. I mean, you got to be in here for a meeting. Cool. I think it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, it'd be very. Yeah, we're, we're, we're proud of it. Is that know. the uh, liquor cabinet back there? Or is that the? Uh, it's liquor cabinet. Yeah, absolutely. It's pretty big. Actually, when we had the grand opening. To show how edgy this gets on occasion, um, we had signal flags flying out to decorate the building, and the admiral at the time, Admiral McAllister, and the governor showed up for that matter uh, for the ceremony. And the admiral showed up. That was an O one. No, no, this is the the building. When we put this building. Oh, this up, building. Okay, so it this was just a year and a half ago, and the admiral started off his comments say, uh, "As a mariner, I was drawn to this building today by the signal flags. If you don't know your signal flags, you might want to do your research and understand why I was drawn to it. I'll let you figure that out on your own." We sat down, the, the governor asked what they said, and he said, they read cold beer, and we did. <laughs> and we have a beer tap in the building. So, that, that, that's so my kind of organization. Yeah, you got to have a little uh, where, where were you guys before this? Uh, we're above June Electronics, about two doors down, and before that, above the Hangar Restaurant. So uh, do you guys own this building, or do you? We own it. We built it. Yeah, 
That was wow. the big goal was to have a real legit building here. And you guys have, have some tenants, it looks like, in here too? Or? No, this is us. We own the whole building. Oh, so everybody even downstairs. Wow. Every Yeah, this, the, every square inch of this building is ours. Doing, yeah. doing, doing pretty well, huh? I like it. Yeah, well, we, we fared pretty well. I think, uh, to be honest with you, I think the international shipping company, we when we entered that, uh, that business line, initially we lost a lot of money in and so when we we racked it and the other vessels started rolling, we changed the rates, and we guessed wrong again, and we brought an influx of money. So we said, well, this is the time to get this building done, you know, yeah, because good, it's not, yeah. use, we have changed rates again. So it. we basically used the building. So so how do signal flags work? I mean, they're colors or they're symbols. Yeah, they're colors. Or? I'll show you a picture afterwards. So how they like work. Yeah. certain colors mean like certain letters or what? Absolutely. Your so dad said, needs to fill you in. You need to have more talk with your dad here about this. Well, stuff. He, I was born in '84. That's when he yeah. retired. '85. Oh, okay. So yeah. So cold beer. It said. It's cold beer. I'll show you where it is. It did. And Charlie Oscar Lima Delta. Bravo that. Echo, first substitute, second substitute in Romeo. So anyway, it's pretty funny and, and uh and we had a we have a beer tap in the building because you have to have, you gotta you have do to that. deliver. You have to you deliver. Initially our older building we had our hot water uh spigot for our sink. One of our sinks was plumbed into a beer tap. Man, I gotta get you guys. If you guys ever need anybody, you, know, you, you give me a call, okay? <laughs> uh, anyways, Ed, I want to thank you again for doing this, and My I do want to do Jeff. a follow up here of a All video right. or something. So always welcome. We can show everybody how this place functions. But thanks again for doing this, and uh, folks, if you have any ideas for a podcast or want to do a podcast, uh, let me know, and we'll we'll get you on here. Thanks. Landline.